So what there's rage. To, there's transaction. Okay. Market. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Well Played DLC podcast, episode 12, the official podcast of Well Played. I'm Zach, I'm here with Kieran. Hello. And Jordan. Hello. How are we both doing tonight? Very well, very well. Uh, Truth be told, I'm a little tired. Uh, I haven't been sleeping well, but this isn't a podcast about medical stuff, so... Is that because... Wolfenstein was disappointing. Is that why you? Yes, uh, it, it keeps me up, up at night. night. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know? It must be that cat, um, cat instinct that you guys have. Yeah, that cat, exactly the, uh, cat connection. <laughs> anyway, uh, what have you guys been playing, Kieran? Uh well, I finished the first of my pledge games finally, which was Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and um. I also did all of the seven DLC tomb expansions because last week I said that I would do all the DLCs for my games as well. You did. Uh, so that's out of the way now. I've got like mm, maybe two trophies left to platinum at all as well, so I might go back and do that at some point. And what did you think? Did you love it? Uh, I liked it. I didn't. I wouldn't say I love it. It's not as good as the others, but it's it was a lot of fun. How's the uh, DLC? Uh, a weird mix of cool and really, really underwhelming. It's um, like it, there's seven of them. And they're all basically just add new new side quests with new tombs to explore, um, which makes them all like you know, forty five minutes to an hour a piece, and they kind of slot them in over the course of the game. Uh, and if you've already played the game, you can just go back and just do them in whatever order. Um, but there's maybe like two really memorable ones and the rest are kind of average. Nice. Standard mm. DLC then. Yep, yeah, pretty much, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Standard season pass stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jordan, how about you? Uh, so I started playing shadow of war again and i instantly regret my decision to pledge that game because my <laughs> god does it suck mm-hmm. uh it is, i'm so bored uh naturally we're still playing warframe and then i played wolfenstein for the review so i punched the that hours, out over the weekend um for warframe I'm, I'm gonna have a guess and say like 30 yeah uh, actually yeah yeah about 30 nice sick Cool. Uh, well, tell us about uh, Wolfenstein because I actually don't think I've been playing anything apart from review games. Oh no, uh, I did play. I, I played the latest DLC for Overcooked Two. Oh, how's that? I played that. Uh, well, actually, I don't know if I have played it. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> how oh, good? I think. Well, I've played ha- it. well, how I know? So I like I bought it right and it installed. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I went into the extras part. And there's a thing called, uh, like, is it extra seasonings or extra seasons or something like that? Right. Um, and the other ones that I've bought, or I've got, I'm pretty sure they're listed by name. 
but this one which is called campfire cook-off i didn't see it and when we uh opened it up it definitely wasn't like a campfire theme so i think but then i looked uh, at the game itself uh, and there was an update sorry i looked at you know the updates bar thing and there was an update for overcook so uh, yeah i don't know if it was downloading like the component of the dlc um don't know but yeah but the part uh, but the um levels i did play i hadn't actually played before so uh that was cool yeah that was good fun so i actually don't know if i have played the dlc so i could have just totally lied there but i did That's play great. overcooked too that i can confirm <laughs> uh so yeah jordan tell us a bit about wolfenstein because i think all three or at least myself and and you were pretty keen for it and you did the review yeah it was honestly it was pretty disappointing uh it's fun you know killing nazis is always fun because nazis are shit people but yeah it's just it lacks a lot of what made the other wolfenstein games really good you know it lacks that really strong campaign that can stand on its own um it replaces it with basically just a really shitty live service model and you know to give the illusion of uh depth and progression they just make this really monotonous power client to be able to do the main story stuff and then when you're strong enough to do the main story stuff you do it and then it's gone really quickly and you just go like that's it like i think all in all is about like five or six story missions and they're not very long and they're quite underwhelming which is a bummer um but the the actual co-op component of it is pretty fun the the whole pep system where like uh, if you don't do anything you just have to give each other like a thumbs up and it gives you health but they have some other boosts that you can do with that like uh you get more armor or you fully recover your health um that kind of stuff it's that that stuff is really cool the uh, the like the co-op part of it is pretty well designed, um, and the level design is really good naturally because it's it's arcane. It's not the mm. really bad level design of Wolfenstein Two, um, but yeah, it just it feels really hollow. It almost feels like the core concept for Young Bloods was their original vision, but then publishers were like, "We need more money," and they kind of had to rip out what would have made the game really good and replaced it with a recurrent pricing model that is pay to win. So can you just, because I've read your review and a couple others, can you just so, just quickly sort of explain the, um, the pay to win aspect? Like how is it pay to win? Well, so you can uh, buy a premium currency because most microtransactions in Retail games uh, don't let you buy things directly because, you know, there's an illusion there. But you can buy boosters uh, that increase the amount of ammo, uh, the amount of money you get, your your XP gains, your maximum health and your maximum armor. And it's kind of hard to argue that they're not paid to win because even though they're not huge, like, you know... You're not buying these massive weapons that are really powerful. You're paying to play less of the game and get ahead of people who aren't paying for that. So 
by definition it is pay to win and it's just it's really bad i that sounds like it sounds like it's ripped directly from like the ubisoft book yeah. of like make yep. the game like intentionally level gate things hmm. that need to be grinded to get around or give people an option to pay and just skip that yeah it's not and as bad as ubisoft uh an article of grind gate it's not as bad as the <laughs> grind gating from ubisoft of recent uh but it's still pretty bad. It is admittedly easy to ignore the microtransactions, and truth be told, in my playthrough, I kind of forgot they were a thing. Um, but it is also very easy to take notice of them. It's like this weird dissonance, and it's just, yeah, I. it really disappoints me. It bums me out, because it could have been one of the best games of the year, but, you know... Publishers will be publishers, right? So what do you think mm. of the characters? Of the two d- daughters, girls, they're, they're sisters, cool. sorry. They're, they're, you know, it, it's Wolfenstein, <clears throat> so they're not like, they're not really serious or anything. They're silly characters and they're just having fun and it, they're done really well. Uh, their interactions are done really well. Uh, there are some scenes like when you go in elevators and stuff, there'll be like some funny interactions between uh, the two sisters. But mm. yeah, uh, and because the campaign is so short, there's just a there's a really noticeable lack of a dynamic and noticeable characters. Like Wolfenstein two was, had so many characters that you could remember. And so did Wolfenstein one. Cause, cause you met these like key people that, you know, made an impact to the game. And then you just kind of have a hub area full of people that you press a button on to get missions from in young blood. So, so how long's the, like the whole thing? Not very long. I, think i beat it in about six seven hours okay and that's with the grind gate so mm. uh, yeah. how much is, i think is is the is it like 40, 49 bucks on uh it's no? 50 on steam yeah. uh yeah, and then it's i about think it's 70 you. for the deluxe edition which has the buddy pass yeah nice uh kieran you also got it but you haven't you haven't played it have you i haven't played it yet i still gotta finish wolfenstein 2 and that's right. Yes. I, I don't know when I'm going to do that. Although I really want to. Yeah, you should. That should be one of your... No, it shouldn't that, be one. It should have been. I thought it was going to be too easy. That should be a bonus. <laughs> yeah. well, no, we should, then we should have made it on the hardest difficulty because <laughs> you know how stupid it is with the hardest difficulty. You don't play on the hard <laughs> di- difficulty, do you? Not this time. I, I do everything on normal. Unless I, I like, honestly, I'm playing it again. Sh- I, I love hard difficulties, but shooters are one of those things where I just don't enjoy hard difficulties just because... The main design for <clears throat> shooters, it doesn't lend itself well to those harder difficulties because it's usually... You can't get around that stuff with strategy. It ends up yeah, being just luck most of the time. Yeah, it's like, you know, you poke your head out, you're shot, you're dead. You're like, where's the fun in that? You... I, 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 think, I think there are some uh, some good games that are played on hard or, you know, or whatever, like, you know, the hardest difficulty. What, what, uh, a but... good one, a good example of good hard difficulty would be Doom because... Doom is very much as the game is as hard as you make it because the more you become accustomed to its mobility, the more, uh, well, the more survivability you have because the second you stand still, you're gone. The game just like chucks a wall on top of you. I think from memory, I did start that on hard and then I wanted to, then I went back to it and I was just getting smashed and I was like, nah, fuck this. So I think I dropped it down to whatever the second highest difficulty is, whether it's normal or not, I'm not yeah, too sure. It's hard to concentrate on the game when you're getting smashed. 
Yeah, well, that happened with so Wolfenstein One or the New Order. I played on hard all the way through, like whatever it's called, um, and that was fucking hard, man. Like that final boss, just yeah, that that final boss. That boss was, he's in the first one. Yeah, mm. yeah, that was that was even, even on yeah even on normal difficulty that was a lot. I reckon. I think I might have said this before on the podcast, but I probably did it like a hundred to one hundred fifty times one night. I just couldn't beat him. There was one time, you know, when you like you get so close, and then the next few times you're so frustrated, so you end up dying like super yeah. quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So I basically did that, cracked the shit. So I was like, no, nah, this game's fucking bullshit. Um, and then I end up doing it like the first time the next day. So there you go. And then like was it you, just... you said you did Wolfenstein two on a hard difficulty, yes. and then you got to so the courtroom. And the yeah, courtroom and, is just absurd. And I was just like, I, I can't. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying this level, but I'm not enjoying the game at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, no, nah, fuck that. So I, I, I just had to turn it down. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, did you play co-op? I guess you can't, can't remember if you did. Yeah, I, I think did. We sp- I did, yeah. You did. Uh, Shout out to our listener, Daniel Markowitz. Uh, oh, was a big Dan. Yeah, oh, Dan. Yeah, I, I got to play with Dan. Uh, I figured if I was going to play with someone, I'll play with someone that I don't get to play games with very often. So, uh, on, on the... <laughs> have we ever played a game together? Uh, no, I don't think we actually have. I think, no, I think we've played Destiny. No, 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 we One, never did. No, once. Always, I did once. No, no, we never did. You always, when I you first sure? joined the site, you were like, oh, we should play Destiny. I was like, yeah, man. <laughs> and you never played. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess he hates me. <laughs> well, you know. But yeah, I, I, my, uh, I did about the first half of the game with Dan, and then uh, he had to hop off for the night, and I just kept powering through because I wanted to get the review out as soon as possible. Mm. Um, anyway, it was it was good fun playing with him. So it's five. like an IGN review with um, Resident Evil Two. Well, wait, no, was it Resident Evil Two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Where play he... half of it and then review it. <laughs> um, have you played the other DLC for Wolfenstein, the Old Blood? Uh, yeah, I played a bit of it. Uh... Do you think Young Blood is better than Old Blood? I'd say Old Blood is better just because it's uh, it's a more direct experience. Mm. It doesn't compromise a lot of itself, whereas Young Blood tries too hard to be a live service game and it becomes forgettable. I've been, I was just, I was just gonna say I've been reading and watching a lot of reviews of the the VR one as well, Cyber Pilot, and the sentiment's pretty much exactly the same. Like it's fun, but it's just bland and repetitive and yeah. lacking in creativity. Yeah, we um we got our code yesterday that oh yeah yeah so uh josh has got it at the moment but he's been playing telefrag which i don't think is great uh with Look forward uh, to that review one question um for you jordan do you think wolfenstein works without bj does i think anything? it does uh the the, <laughs> the two sisters were, were written well enough for it to work uh it's just the actual design of the game itself wasn't that great if it was if they had designed it like a proper wolfenstein game then it could have worked really well but mm. yeah it's it's they made a lot of compromises and it shows even in the way like the actual game is built it's not that hard to see the shortcuts they took mm. and you gave it uh six out of ten didn't you yeah not, that's all right six six is fair 
six is fair. Fair, a fair score. All right, let's move on. <clears throat> uh, we were going to talk about the Blackout Club, but Ash has vanished. Um, I did play a little bit of it, so well, I can talk. Would you very say he about had a blackout, or maybe he's blacked out? Yeah, you're right. Or maybe he's joined the Blackout Club. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so basically, you. It's almost. It kind of feels a little bit like, and I've actually read Ash's review in full yet, but apparently, oh, sorry, apparently, uh, it 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 feels a bit like Stranger Things to a sort of degree. Um, I'm not sure if he mentioned that, Kieran, when you read it. Uh, um, I don't think so, but I've seen that comparison no. thrown around. Yeah. So you basically play without giving away the first part of the game because the actual opening mission is kind of cool. Um, You're kind of cool. You, thank you. You play as a um, a kid who's part of this club, I guess, and you're sort of investigating or trying to take down this uh, underground cult. And the missions are sort of like payday. Like the, someone wrote that on the um, on our review today uh, in the comments that. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, it sounded like payday, which is definitely sort of how it is. So you basically go back to your home, to your hub, to your club headquarters, and you start a mission. And so the mission might be that you have to go through this little suburb or town and find like uh, you know five pieces of you know this investigation, you know, five five clues or whatever, or you have to go find the three voice recordings or whatever, you know, something like that. And then once you find the um, complete the objective, you have to exfiltrate. So you have to get out, and that's that's and that's pretty much that's all that I sort of play. We Ash and I played for maybe like an hour and a half, two hours on Sunday night. Uh, and it was cool. I, I was definitely keen to play more, but I've got yeah, got my own review game. So um, I didn't uh, didn't get a chance to get stuck in when he did this week for the. Review, but I know it's coming out on consoles, and I yeah, it's out today. Oh, is it on console too? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So why did I request a PC code? Oh, I think because the PC codes were out out first. Um, are you gonna check it out? I'm pretty tempted. I might. Uh, I might see if Georgie's keen to. Yeah. Get on it. So yeah, so it's. Um, I probably didn't really explain it very well, but it's like a first-person co-op horror game uh, mm. and the little synopsis on online just says you're a teenager from a small modern town each morning you awaken covered in mud or, sc- or scratches with no memory of the night before you've heard of sleepwalking but this is different sometimes you lose entire days there are others like you your new group of friends bonded over this shared secret forming a club to investigate the cause of these blackouts yeah so that's basically the um, premise and yeah nice. like it's definitely interesting I don't know how sort of grinding repetitive it gets, um, but I was definitely. It, yeah, it kind of seems. It reminds me a lot of um, We Happy Few, in that kind of like uh, yeah. procedural like, yep. just go out and do stuff and. Yeah, I mean, a couple. Of, the first mission we did was very very quick. I don't know if that was just simply because it was the first mission, um, but yeah, it was like, uh, like go to this house find yeah like two bits three bits of evidence come back and then that like that was it and it was over in like three minutes uh but yes and then you 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 also get um yeah chased by this thing and yeah like it's it's pretty cool 
All right, let's talk about the games that were keen for for August very, very quickly. Uh, a little Titan the Jorts segment here. Mm. Uh, Jordan, what are you looking forward to this month? Uh, you know what? Get back to me. I need to see what's actually coming out this month because oh. I've been a bit flustered of late. True. Didn't you True. write the list or like? Yeah, but just because I write the list doesn't, it doesn't read the list. Note. Yeah, <laughs> just because I didn't write you, the list. like. Didn't you see the list that everybody like submitted? It was all the same games, pretty much. No, I didn't. Didn't pay attention to that. I hope you read the list, Jordan. All I know. I'll know is, if, I'll know all, if you all don't. I know is that. Kieran said he's going to rock my world, so... Nice. I am. All right, Kieran, what are you keen for in August? In August? Well, I don't know. It's pretty. It's a pretty quiet month, except for, like, the last kidding? week. Yeah, okay, fair. Not fair. Yeah. I'll pay Like, the first, the first three weeks is nothing, and then everything in, like, the final week. So uh, I'm pretty keen for Rad, which is a double fine game. Um, so it's... I'll make Tim Schafer is involved, but it's mostly uh, a guy called Lee Petty who made Stacking, which is one of my favorite Double Fine games. I love Stacking; it's so good. so good. Uh, really, really enjoy like his his humor and his style. So it's a it's like a procedurally generated dungeon crawler, which like I normally avoid these days because I've played so many of them. But it looks different enough that uh, I'll probably be really into it. Nice. Um. What else have we got? We got Control, which I know you are also keen for. Very keen. Um, Quantum Break 2, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Quantum Break uh, rebooted. <laughs> <laughs> Quantum Break on consoles that actually sell. Yes, well played. I like that. <laughs> um, and then Jordan, I know you're probably also keen for Oninaki. Oh, yeah. Did you play? Have you played the demo yet? No, have I haven't. I, I like to go into those things as blind as possible. That's what even is it? Fair. It's a. It's like a action RPG. Kind of old schoolish. It's from the same guys that did Lost Fear and I Am Setsuna. Yeah. Right. Because when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, that reminds me of the game Oni uh, on PS2." Right. Well, Oni Just is a part of the name, so it yeah, that, it, well, that yeah, makes well, sense. That, that's pretty much the reason why I thought of it. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I remember that game on PS2." But yeah, they're, um, I mean, that, that studio specialty is basically just, you know, taking classic game design, classic JRPG game design and spinning stories about uh, just really like emotional, really heavy stories. Better or for it's worse. pretty cool. But yeah. Well, yeah. Some wins and some losses yeah. in, their, in their track record. But uh, this seems pretty fun. It's, I played the, the demo a little bit. It seems fairly repetitive but like it is the very beginning of the game and i do let you actually continue through to the full game after playing the demo which is kind of cool like the the saves carry across so yeah fairly keen for that and very very excited for astral chain at the end of the month oh yeah that game looks so good which is yeah another one that jordan jordan's obviously tight in the jorts for fuck yeah being a, a platinum games joint and being a anime tinged futuristic cop drama with aliens and living weapon monsters and shit looks dope i didn't realize it was like it was a switch exclusive until it sure was brought is. up in the chat the other day yeah i guess because i'm not really interested in it that it's being it's being it's being published by nintendo so it's like a hmm. second party also kieran i like what you put as coming out on august 11th 
So you did read the list. I, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> for people listening, he's written Warframe 2. <laughs> for, what, for what platform? <laughs> for the Switch. Nice. <laughs> nice. That was just to make sure Jordan was reading it. Uh, all right, I'll throw a couple in there. Um, <clears throat> there's a game coming out on the 7th of August called Gibbous, a Cthulhu adventure. It's a little sort of point-and-click um game from a Romanian devs uh, it's sort of like a comedic take on the Cthulhu um, lore I guess uh, I may or may not be reviewing it at the moment can I just uh, say before we go no, on cannot. I'm disappointed that it is not called a Cthulhu adventure so yeah. because of that well, I'm that not was, interested in it that was going to be my um, my tagline tag. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of them I did have. What are your other ideas? Give us some more. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's good. (laughs) That's very good. That is really good. And let's continue on. Um, (laughs) And then on the 20. Oh, did I get delayed a week as well? Fuck. So originally, Hunt was set for like the the 20th, I think, or the 22nd of of August. Um, So Hunt Showdown, the game from uh, the Crytek game that. I've played on PC a little bit, which is heaps of fun. But it's also coming out on a day where, which is August 27th, uh, which is Ancestors of the Humankind Odyssey. That day is fucking you so hard. <laughs> I know, man. Um, I'm, I'm actually surprised that Karen didn't say Life is Strange 4. I mean, Episode 4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, skip 3. Skip skip Life is Strange 3. Just go straight to 4. I, I, like, I am keen for that, but that's kind of a given. I have yeah, to play true. that. Uh, yeah, so Ancestors is the new game from the Ubisoft, uh, Ubisoft creator, from the Assassin's Creed creator, uh, Patrice. I never can remember his last name. Desolate? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say something totally wrong, but I'm glad you jumped in there. Uh, yeah, so I'm interested to see how that game is, but I, I, I read it's like 30 hours though, which is, could be like massive. I probably won't even finish it. Um no, I will. I totally will. You'll, I, you'll be preoccupied with Platinum and Elex. No, that's 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 next year, mate. Oh, next year. I've got I've got I've got all next year to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the uh, same on the on the twenty seventh, there's Wreckfest, which is finally coming to consoles. I actually kind of want to uh, play that. Yeah, well, I was uh, I've thought about buying it on PC, but I was like, nah, I'll get it on like uh, PS4, which looks kind of cool, which has a bit of. Destruction Derby. And about I it. would have played that with you. So, too late now. Just get on PS4. Nah, mate. Nah. Because then I had to pay for PS Plus. <sighs> um, so, yeah. That, that was pretty cool. Another game on the 27th, which the artwork here looks... It, I don't know. It makes me want to play it. It's the Bard's Tale 4 director's cut. Um, I yeah. don't know what it is. But it looks like it could be a um, point-and-click game. They're um well actually I I may unless they've drastically changed genres for the fourth game they're like uh, isometric RPGs. Okay, so no, I'm probably not gonna play that. They're, they're good. <laughs> they're they're funny. You should, I think you'd like them. You reckon? All right, maybe yeah. I'll give it a give it a look. But yeah, then there's also Control, and then on the thirtieth we got uh, Blair Witch. Um, as a big horror fan, I'm keen to play that. Mm. And then uh, Man of Medan. Man Medine. of Medan. 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 Uh, which I don't know if I think Kieran's came for. I'm not sure about Jordan. 
I'm tentatively keen. It could oh, really? be another hidden agenda. I-, I thought you liked Until Dawn. Yeah. I haven't really heard anything about this game, so I don't know. Oh, you know what really shits me to tears, though? Is that when you went to Bandai Namco for that preview session, like, last year, and they had, like, a bunch of these games on the console, and they had Man of Medan, and you didn't play it. You I didn't told, you tell to me it. to keep an eye out I for did it. tell you to play it. No, you didn't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back through our chat history. I'm going to find it. on for, like, a year. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to ever forget. Because <laughs> like, that was when I previewed Soul Calibur. Was it Soul Calibur? Yeah, Soul Calibur. Because it, like, it was a fighting game office. over, over a, like you know what a fighting game is going to be, but you, you played that had, over Man of Medan. They also had um eleven eleven memories retold, which I think yeah. I told you to, to check out as well. And yeah, you were I like, did. Yeah, nah. did you? No, yeah, I checked it out, and now yeah, I was I, I was still pretty keen for it. It's just when the review came up, I was a bit busy, so I said, give it to someone else. Hmm. Uh, is there anything else in, uh, what month is it? August that you're keen for? Uh, well, obviously Warframe 2 on the Switch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we um, should we should play that together. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Oh, wait, sorry. I don't have to buy a Switch. Uh, you know what? If you're going to make me pay for PS Plus, you're going to buy a Switch. <laughs> um, Seems fair. There's Metal Wolf Chaos XD. That's uh, that's an old From Software game that was never released in the West. Uh, I know little to nothing about it, but it's from software, so I'll give it a go. Uh, it's on August 6th. Uh, I'm really keen for Control. I wasn't the biggest fan of Quantum Break. I played a little bit of it, but... Love Quantum Break. Um, I'm really keen to give Control a go. Uh, and, you know, Onanaki and Astral Chain, which we were just talking about, I'm really keen for those. I love a good... JRPG and a good platinum game. Fucking, I still love Nier Automata. One of my faves. Still one didn't, of the best. It's still didn't one you of the tell best. me that you were keen for Bubsy Pause of Fire as well? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's a game that I haven't never seen, but it's next to it here on the w- website I'm looking at. Headspun, which looks kind of might, like might be Kieran's Alley. Add maybe. It. Add it to I've your list. I think you might even like it. Oh, it's an FMV adventure game. Oh, yeah? You know what the best FMV game is? Super Seducer. Oh, God. <laughs> I still remember they sent me, like, three keys for the first one. I should play it. Um, Wait, first right. one? Is there <clears throat> a second one? Yeah, mate. Oh, my God. Bloody oath there is. I hope there's a third one, too. <laughs> then I'll buy, like, the trilogy remaster of it and all. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our main discussion topic for the week, which is, interestingly enough, uh, based on the Wolfenstein review, it's about live services. And w- what? I just meant to read that part that's put here in the document. That that part is obviously a throwaway <laughs> to whoever wrote that. Was that you, Kieran? <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so let's talk about live services. What do we think about them? Do we like them? Do we hate them? Do we want more of them? Do we want less uh, of them? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a case-by-case person when it comes to live service games because 
some of my favorite games are live service games, but that's because they're done well and they're designed for that. It's not a case of some games like we've had recently where you've got Assassin's Creed Origins. Um... But is that... Okay, let's... Before we get in, uh, Probably before we get into this, let's define what a live service game a is. A live service game is a game which houses a recurrent pricing model. Right. So... Sorry? No, no, how nice. <laughs> I sort of... I, I sort of confused myself there. So, are we just talking about games? Is is what I was going to ask. So we're not going to talk about live services, as in like uh, Game Pass or anything like that. No, no, just just the games. Okay, I actually meant to ask that first. I mean, if if you want what the best live service is, is Xbox Live. That is by definition a live name. service. Well, well, no, like I thought, I thought maybe <laughs> we we would talk about games and then we might talk about actual live services. Uh, I yeah we can do that but uh but, my idea for this was just the games really okay yeah well let's just keep it to games right well yeah for for games a live service is a game which houses a recurrent pricing model hence why it's under the same banner as games as a service because they're quote unquote providing you with a service that you can keep putting money into um and there are some games where it works really well uh a good example of a retail game that does it really well is monster hunter which i state in my wolf wolfenstein review uh because in monster hunter i think i put in like 500 hours before i even realized there were microtransactions because the microtransactions have so little effect and they're so subtle that like the only way to access them is from the main menu you can't access them when you're in game you have to do them from the main menu and that's it and it's not and you don't even buy um, a premium currency. Every microtransaction in that game is a direct purchase, which is cool. Um, but then you have games like Wolfenstein and uh, notably Star Wars Battlefront 2 when it originally released. Uh, previously mentioned Shadow of War, uh, where a lot of the design can be compromised uh, and undermined to house those uh like different uh, monetization mechanics one of the biggest ones would be loot boxes uh fifa fifa yeah, yeah there's fifa for that as well uh but fifa is inherently designed for those not designed that, before loot boxes are then broken well that's only one uh well, maybe one or two modes of fifa so it's not all FIFA. Yeah, so yeah. It's, yeah. So it's just if you play the ultimate team, which yeah, most most people do. <laughs> but, I play ultimate team. I already am the ultimate team, Burnley. Oh my god! <laughs> is this where you plug your illustrious football career again? Oh, I should do that. Eh? I was, was pretty good. I was pretty good. But yeah, so games. Uh, there have been various games that have had a lot of their core design broken. I think one of the biggest uh, examples would have been. Shadow of War, where the Nemesis system was just completely broken because of how they brought the uh, Nemesis characters into loot boxes. So there were loot drops, so they had to have rarity and strength, and so it meant that the Nemesis that the Nemesis that you could have would die very quickly, and you know everyone because it was uh, it was so much more diluted. Your Nemesis was so much more forgettable and stuff like that, and. When you take away the Nemesis system from a game like Shadow of War, you have another open world action game. You have and Assassin's so, Creed. 
I'd say Assassin's Creed is better to be honest, but um, just because Assassin's Creed has a lot less empty space. Um, but yeah, so and then yeah, there are some games that do live service well. There's a free, there's a little one you might have never have heard of called Warframe. It's getting a sequel soon on the Switch. Um, <laughs> right, that never does heard that. that does its live service well. Uh, I mean, there's the king of live service games, Fortnite. Um, and then there's also World of Warcraft, which kind of birthed it because all of these live service models have kind of been, uh, well, they've they've been based off of uh, MMOs in general. That's why there was a whole live service push after Destiny launched, really, where every publisher wanted uh, wanted mm. a live service game of that kind, and now every game is a live service game, pretty much, and it makes me sad. Hmm. Yeah. Can't wait for Resident Evil 8 to be live service. You know what? Funny you say that, because I'd say Capcom are one of the few good people about live services. Mm. They're not the, like, they're not the best with it, but they have some... Ubisoft are the best. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I like the way Capcom, like, they'll have microtransactions and shit in their games, and most of the time they'll be really kind of egregious ones, but they don't really take away from anything and it's like they've just put them there just to see if people buy them yeah like they're just like oh yeah we'll just sprinkle a couple of these on top and you know like, like nobody buys the, it doesn't matter like with the resident evil 2 microtransaction where you can buy all the unlockables yeah exactly it's like oh yeah here it is in saying that capcom had street fighter 5 which was really bad with microtransactions yeah i think they kind of learned from that yeah are there any all right, non-cosmetic uh, microtransactions that you approve of. So in the case of the Resident Evil 2 one, if someone didn't want to... Like, do you have a problem with that type of... Yeah, so I actually I actually don't mind those, like, time-saving microtransactions as a way mm. of being like, hey, if you really want to, like, get through this and you don't have the time, sure, yeah, pay a couple of dollars or whatever like it's it's kind of shitty but like it's not terrible unless the game is specifically designed to push you towards doing that aka assassin's creed that's exactly i think in the case of resident evil 2 it's kind of okay because the game isn't designed to uh coerce you into putting the money towards the unlocking them straight away it the game is designed as a game first and foremost and then they have those extra things um, whereas you have, well, I mean, I guess we could use Assassin's Creed Origins as an example where the core design of the game is inherently broken to coerce you into buying the money and XP boosters, especially the permanent ones. It's so you know, grind. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. grind fest. Um, do you yeah. think that... No, sorry, not do you think. What would you... Th- how would you feel... Uh, if they released a new Splinter Cell and it was full of that type of um, mechanics. You, do you mean when they release that and it's full of that? Or... <laughs> well, yes. Actually, you know, honestly, it'd be hard It'd be hard to kind of see a Splinter Cell game like that. Uh, they, but... could, they could go the Wolfenstein Youngblood route and just have yeah. you like go off on random missions until yeah, you unlock true. the next bit of story. Ugh, young blood. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. It's hard because naturally they want all the money in the world. 
and there's nothing inherently wrong with them wanting to make money. The problem with it is it nine times out of ten comes at the cost of the game itself. They compromise yeah. various facets of the game, which it's, just makes it crap. It's just frustrating when you see good studios who have made good par- games in the past and are passionate about them, and you can see like an obvious influence of that publisher, like yeah. just tearing their their art apart and just you know piecemealing it out to players. A good example of that is Dead Space. Dead yeah, Space exactly. Was just a shocker with those microtransactions. Yeah, it's like this game would have been perfectly fine if, you know, this developer had had the chance to just make what they want to make. Yeah, and like, and going back to the whole time skipping kind of microtransactions, they're not, you know, as I said, they're not inherently bad. It's just because those games are built now to coerce you into those kinds of things, it sends off a really bad message going, our game isn't worth paying, pay us to play less of it. Yeah, that that's the weird thing that, that I've found with those type of... Um... Uh, micro transactions is it like don't you want people to actually play and enjoy the game instead of yeah true well (laughs) money I think yeah it's just like like Jordan was saying a lot of it's obviously been influenced by like MMOs and then like other kind of live service games like Destiny that have been really successful but the problem is just publishers seeing that and, and thinking you know okay cool the longer we can get people to play our game for the more likely they are to spend money on it and applying that idea to games that should just be like a one and done situation. Hmm. In Odyssey, who has played Odyssey here? I'm playing it at the moment. Do do the missions have levels? I can't remember. They do. Yeah. The cool thing about Odyssey is the missions scale with your level, but you can choose how heavily they scale with your level. So you All can right. make it so that they kind of sit like four or five levels below you, or you can make mm. it so that they match your level. Um, but then obviously some of them are gated as being like higher than your level as well. Yes, because that's the problem I had with Origins. And it's, I'm trying yeah. to remember, did you play Watch Dogs 2? That didn't have level gating, did it? Nah. Yeah. So that's one thing I love about open world games is when they don't have level caps on um, missions and stuff like that. So mm. you can... I mean, and when they uh, don't have those level gates, I feel like I'm more inclined to go off and do side missions, like to play more of the game. Um, but yeah, like games like yeah, like Odyssey and that, or, or Origins, it's just I just give yeah. up. Again, there's times where it makes sense, like when you when you want to sort of direct a player to access certain content at a certain time. But like, yeah, Assassin's Creed. Odyssey doesn't do it as much as Origins, but yeah, Origins was terrible where it would be like, hey, yeah. this is the next mission you need to do to actually progress the game, but you've, you know, you're 10 levels below it. So, you know, yeah. Suck it up. Because I buy, remember I think buy microtransactions. I leveled up for like three hours one night just to do one mission. And then I finished that mission. I think I was like five levels below the next mission. I was like, yeah, get fucked. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, so that's, yeah, one thing I liked about the Sinking City. And I mean, level levels in that, in that, game probably wouldn't have worked anyway but i just hope that i don't actually haven't read much about um watch dogs 3 yet but i hope they don't have that sort of thing in yeah watch dogs 3 part of me wonders if it's like if it's a symptom of less triple a games coming out some publishers are trying to keep people engaged more in what's out now by a making them intentionally longer and b like 
you know, consistently adding to them or whatever. But I don't know if that's true because I don't really know. I can't think of whether games have slowed down or not. I w- yeah, so with... Because uh, I remember with Syndicate, I bought the Jack the Ripper DLC and, like, that was actually a pretty cool DLC. So, I mean, from Expansions that, are cool. Yeah, like, I wish that more developers did that instead of, you know, trying to make you buy, like, levels and whatever. I mean, because, I mean, Assassin's Creed is still doing it with um, Odyssey and that. They released mm. the new one recently, I think. Yeah, the Fates uh, of Atlantis. Yeah. I think they finished like releasing a, those now. Yeah, I think it's like the last episode. And yeah. all of them look cool from memory. I can't actually remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm keen to play them. Um, um, yes, yeah, so I think I think, cause I think Ubi gave me like the Super Deluxe Edition, whatever that is. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I've, yeah, I'm definitely keen to check them out. But I, I like how they... So like with Dishonored, um, with the first Dishonored, how... You know, the main game was the main game. And then they did, like, I reckon the best season pass I've ever played, like that uh, DLC. Sorry, best never, DLC, sorry. I never played it. Um, that was awesome. Um, yes, yeah, so like, you know, and I would, if they made more DLC for that, I'd definitely go back and play it or would have bought it at the time. So, so you think games would be better if, if everyone just went back to making proper expansions? Yeah, I, I would. I reckon, and I don't have a problem with that. And, but, and where some people maybe from like a live service uh, model like destiny they think that they uh, cut stuff out to re- then resell it again later um but i reckon some sometimes it, like it works fine like with dishonored for example because you got to play the one of the dlcs was from the i can't remember the guy's name but the bad guy mm. um yeah and it was a couple of hours three hours long or something four, four hours long yeah, it was just really cool but yeah, you know that's the um, the question that everybody sort of asks is, is that you know did they cut this from the original game and blah 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 blah. Yeah, I think there's like there's a there's a place in every sort of genre of game for different different service models like that. But the big problem yeah. is just publishers looking at a game before it's even gestating and being like, how do we make money out of this? Yeah, definitely. Do you think the main uh, this is probably a question for both of you. <clears throat> do you think the main... Uh, how do I phrase this question? And not, catalyst is the wrong word, but like the main um, catalyst for those sorts of microtransactions is like level gating in like RPG games. Like, do you find that only those type of level systems have these uh, egregious models? Uh I'd say it's the the place where they're probably the least welcome. Because it feels like that's the easiest place for them to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like back in the day, like Mm. on the PS One, like developers would pad out their RPGs with with level grinding just to make them longer. Yeah. Which at the time, I guess, kind of made sense because they didn't have much else to to work with, but. It's like that mechanics come back as just a way to make money. Mm. See, and... I think the more egregious part about the mechanic coming back is back then, a lot of the developers would kind of give context to why there was such a gradual yeah. power climb in that sense. Whereas yeah. now it's just the game working against you. And yeah. you know, not not to throw any de- <clears throat> like developers or designers under a bus, but if a game is working against the player, the design is failing. 
That's it. And 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 back then as well, it was it was actually more about giving value to the player because it was like you're going to spend at the time it would have been like you know 120 to 150 dollars in game. You probably want a good amount of gameplay out of it. But now it's obviously to the detriment to the point where they're like, well, if you want to skip it, just give us money. Yeah, and and to add to that as well is a lot of the games back then. A good example with level gating is Oblivion, um, where they have level gating for quests, but they make everything in the world so detailed and interesting that generally you don't come up against those level gates yeah. unless you're specifically going trying to get through those quest lines as soon as possible. Uh, yeah, and it's to serve the narrative and the world as well. It's not, you know, just because. Yeah, but uh, one of my favorite ways around that was done with Morrowind actually where instead of level gating um, you had to have like certain skills and relationships with different NPCs uh, through certain points of the game so you had yeah. to like go through do the different side quests to meet different people so you could be able to progress through the main part of a game yeah. it was really well designed and it's a facet of game design which I really miss no the games don't do that anymore and it really sucks hmm Mm. Yeah. Do, do you think, um, what do you think of these sorts of, how we were talking about Resident Evil 2 just before, but a similar type of transaction for buying or I guess locking out characters of games? Sorry, of um, fighting games? So, because you can, can't you, didn't Mortal Kombat allow you to buy the characters or something from, is that what? Yeah, that was like, See, that was another case where the design was there to coerce you into doing stuff like that because they yeah. they changed the, the unlocking model in the crypt to being randomized. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're like, well... If I recall, with Mortal Kombat X, I think it's the character Goro. Is that his name? Mm. Yeah. It was like, yeah, he was on the disc, ready to go. In fact, he was so ready to go that you fight him in the main campaign or whatever. Yeah. But you had to pay extra to play him because... So you can't actually unlock him at all? No, no, you had to pay for him. That calls That's... back to like the, the Xbox 360, PS3 generation when heaps of developers were doing that and like on-disc DLC was a buzzword. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the days. Yeah. I, from, yeah, with like, I think with those games, like, like the fighting ones, all the characters should be obtainable by playing the game and if you want to buy them, I think you can buy them. Yeah, I, I actually... I used to hate the way Rainbow Six Siege used to do its season pass, but I actually kind of like it now. I do think it's a bit expensive, but, you know, it gives you the option to grind for the characters uh, that Mm. come out, you know, with every new season. Or Mm. if you have uh, the season pass, they're just an instant unlock. Um, I think that's a a really nice way to do it. Um, It was like the the Division 2 as well is like that where, you, you know, all the content is free if you yeah. wait, but if you buy the season pass, you get it a week early. So it's yeah. kind of like, if you want to spend the money, like you're an idiot, but you can do it and it doesn't <laughs> impact you or it like, doesn't impact anyone else negatively. Well, I, I yeah. think in the in the sense of division, it can impact people negatively because there'll be people that are far ahead of you in the power climb, which can be bad for places like the Dark Zone. Yeah, I suppose that's another way to get people to spend money is FOMO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but things like uh, Rainbow Six Siege, where every character is built to be able to stand on their own, it's not as bad. Uh, but the only problem with Siege is, uh, once again, the grind is so long that it coerces you into actually paying for the characters. 
because I'm pretty sure with year two or three, they actually updated all the operators to cost significantly more, which is a bummer, but... Nice. Yeah. All right, so we would say that you reckon Ubi and EA and maybe someone else are probably the worst at this sort of stuff? Warner. Warner. Warner are really bad with it. Um, Yeah. Anybody else? Bethesda, or are they just... They've... Well, but Bethesda's go. only two examples were Fallout 76, which wasn't worth picking mm. up in the first place, and yeah. Youngblood, which is pretty bad with it, but it's not like Ubisoft level of bad. Like, you can get mm. ahead of the game, but if you get ahead of the level curve in the game, the game will keep up with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so the only real advantage is being able to play the game quicker. But, you know... And... But, yeah... Go on. I was going to say, well, who, who do you think are the best at it? So is this someone who doesn't seem to do it much at all? Like, does Sony do? I don't I don't recall Sony doing these type of, type of things at all. I mean, maybe they have, and I just haven't seen them. Uh, I don't think so. But what were the microtransactions for Uncharted? I know for, like, like, Uncharted and stuff, they had stuff for the online mode. Yeah. Which was... Uh... I can't remember if it was like buffs or if it was just loot box type stuff. Yeah. But that was, that mode was, you know, not memorable at all. So I don't think it made, I don't think it made too much of an impact. Sorry, my microphone turned off there. <laughs> That's all right. Um, it's hard. Actually, I'll go back to Warframe for a second because I know you guys love it. But True. Um, can't wait for the second one. In Warframe, <laughs> in Warframe, you can buy the different frames or characters and the different weapons, but that is actually a game where the microtransaction design is one that encourages you not to spend money on those things. So what they do is um, they evaluate how much a weapon would cost in terms of hours to get. And it isn't that bad, honestly. Most weapons you can get within 10, 20 minutes of play, even the frames. Then It's not that bad. But uh, what they do is if you want to buy them through, uh, with their premium currency, you can... But they price them so high that it's way better to often just get those resources and then just rush their building instead of um, buying all those things straight away because I think you end up wasting like... The premium currency is like platinum and I think you end up wasting like 80 to 100 platinum by buying most things direct. Um, So they, they make things more expensive to entice you to actually play the game but the option is there should you want it. Hmm. Nice. Yeah, I mean, there's I think there's probably quite a few examples of games that have uh, done things to keep their player base, you know, well after launch without monetizing them. But yeah. those are much fewer than the other case. I honestly think uh, Monster Hunter might be a case of that where it's, <laughs> you really, you just don't know they're trying to monetize the entire game. It's great. And they just chuck out free updates all the time. It's so good. Yeah. Okay, one one final question on live services before we, we move on. Do... Uh, are uh, this sort of models, um, how how much are they the future of uh, gaming, do you think? Or do you reckon we'll see that they will... Uh, sort of, I guess, implode maybe and then, you know, and uh, we'll start to move away... I, I reckon it'll be, it'll like implode, it'll collapse. It's 
It's just, mm-hmm. it's the way the AAA industry has really gotten now is where they just, you know, they don't want some of your money, they want all of it. And because all these different publishers are trying to make the same thing, it'll just get to a point where no one wants to buy any of the things because they're all the same. And so it'll just kind of fall in on itself, which will yeah. be an interesting thing to see. It might I, even I think... spur uh, a lot of indie developers to really, really push things. Yeah, I think like an optimistic attitude would be to say that uh, game services like Game Pass and and things like that will alleviate some of the problem because they'll create a different revenue stream. Yeah. Because a lot of this is obviously just about creating a revenue stream from games because they're so expensive to develop. So I think if that whole if that if the retail model changes, then obviously the the monetization you know habits will change. Yeah. Hopefully, it, it, it's really it ultimately it's up it's up to the price of entry because if you were, if you guys were given Warframe but it was a a hundred dollar game, you would think it's really poorly designed because of all the microtransactions in it. But the second you remove that price of entry, the microtransactions really don't seem so bad. Because, you know, the company has to make their money and it's obviously mm. the best way to do it. But, you know, it's really, it's it's just the attitude of going, you have paid us money so you can play this product. Pay us more so you can keep playing it. Yeah, I actually don't have a problem with them too much in free-to-play games. It, it depends on the design. Free-to-play games where it is, in, like, obviously pay-to-win, it, mm. it's annoying, but, like, you know... There are a lot of free-to-play games that do it well. Fortnite is a good example where the monetization is really good. Did you ever play Blacklight Retribution? No. Okay. Well, that ends that. Um, <laughs> that I'll give you nah. an example. So. No, no. So um, that was, the, I think it was one of the launch That PS4 was early games. PS4 days. Yeah. 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 I, I remember actually it was free-to-play and I, I used to really love it. I think I, I can't remember what you used to buy, but I know I spent... Not like a lot of money, maybe like 50, 60 bucks on it. That is far um, less than I spent on Warframe. <laughs> yeah, no, like I can't remember what I used to buy, but I believe it was definitely pay to win. Yeah. Which, which I was like, mm, mm, nah, I'm winning, so it's all good. <laughs> 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 it's, it's the only way that I could win. All right, let's move on to unless you've got any more thoughts on live services they suck yeah (laughs) nine times out of ten they suck nine times out of ten all right we're getting to some news probably one of the uh biggest bits of news in the last week um at least from a local perspective was the closure of defiant games this Um, makes me really sad yeah so defiant uh, Defiant Development uh, were the developers. That confused me. Were the developers of uh, the Hand of Fate series, which is I actually never played it, uh, it but it looks it, like a card game from the uh, uh, so screenshots. It, it's a really cool. It's like a genre blended game. So um, you play the cards, and it kind of gives you your scenarios. And then when you put it into an action sequence, uh, you actually control characters and go through combat. And the scenarios are cool because it's all about it's it's choice driven. So you know, you you map out your movements. You you know make certain decisions that make certain outcomes, and you just try to get the best outcome for different yeah. scenarios. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a really it's a really cool game. It's one of my favorites actually. It's so fun. 
And yeah, it's really sad to see them closing down. I was hoping to see more games like that from them. It was definitely a surprise. Uh, I know that uh, Tegan, one of our former writers, she actually was a big fan of um, Hand of Fate. Yeah, and it's actually, but... it's Hand of Fate was a really <clears throat> successful series. Yeah, I think I read that the first one sold like 400,000 copies or something, yeah. um, which was very, very cool. Yeah. The uh, second one obviously did well enough cause to, to, to warrant a physical release because I realized today that I actually had a physical really? copy of Hand of Fate 2. Yeah, I mean, they don't give real, I guess, any sort of in-depth specific reasons why they shut, mm. but uh, the founder just, just sort of, when he when they posted on social media that they were... Uh, shutting the doors uh, he one of the standout quotes here is that the games market has changed in ways both big and small in the nine years we've been in business and we've not been able to change quickly enough to continue with them so whatever that really fully means um, do you know what it kind of sounds like to me it sounds like to me that because the market is growing accustomed to these life service games that hmm. create oh, reasons to the topic <laughs> that create reasons to come back you know for better or for worse uh, because you know the uh, hand of fate games are a one and done purchase, yeah, it hasn't yeah. been able to keep up like that. Yeah, unless you're smashing those out like every year, yeah, at least it's like you your revenue stream is going to die pretty quick. Yeah, so that was my one of my thoughts because I guess that tied back to um, I guess running a, a dev studio sort of like this because this was probably one of the bigger ones I think I can't I can't remember how many people exactly uh, were working there, but um, it's just it's very expensive to run. Um, I guess a traditional type. Yeah, um, and and the bigger studio. the the bigger the yeah, studio, sure. the exponentially higher the cost becomes. Yeah, when you look at most most Australian developers, like so many of the ones, especially the ones that we've spoken to, like that you've spoken to, Zach through MIA and stuff. Yeah, so many of them are like backyard developers that that work full time and and then use that to support their their games. Yeah. So a, a more like a brick and mortar studio is going to be like a tough proposition. Yeah, and like a lot of these, uh, the indie devs that we have spoken to, they've they rely heavily on funding from like you know, uh, Creative Victoria or Film Victoria. Yeah, or, yeah. that's w- it. What other places like like that? So, you know, there's no sort of um, income stream, sort of at least yet. Um, you know, helping sustain that. I guess the uh, the only probably real example like I can think of off the top, top of my head is SMG Studio. Um, they seem to be pretty well run. Uh, I think, I think they've, got, they've got like a lot of mobile projects and stuff. Yeah, though, to keep yeah. That so they going. would make a a lot of um, and they they've got an excellent um, social media sort of presence as well, mm. um, and they're very open as well. Like they'll often post uh, stuff like how many times people in Australia bought Death Squared on, on Switch this week or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that is very, very cool. Um, people, I think they've got like three three arms. they got like uh, Melbourne, Sydney. I think Sydney's their name. I think London, I think. Uh, I'm going to have to brush up on my research a bit, but yeah. <laughs> um, I'm surprised about the Sydney one because New South Wales does not care about creativity. Well, that's their main one. That's their main... Uh, I guess the headquarters. Wow. Um, yeah, Melbourne's only opened up recently um, with the development of moving out. And London, I don't really know that much about, but I've, I knew they had it because I saw it in a video or something. But yeah, um, it's just, yeah, they have a lot of that 
I guess microtransactions through mobile games. Yeah, they have that. Yeah. that, yeah. Which yeah, helps. You see, see a lot of indie developers doing that now, is developing mobile games, and sometimes not even good ones or ones that they want to develop, hmm. but just just to keep that money flowing in. I think Taurus is another good example of that. I don't even know what they've done since they did Beast Quest. I think they they just take on licensed stuff, like they yeah. work contract work. And but they like, but you would say that, for them. but you would say that they're um they're probably a more brick and mortar type studio because we like you know we we went and um, visited there and yeah I mean I, I mean I, I I'd never been to one before so I had no idea what to expect but yeah um but that's it because they've they've probably got you know dozens of projects at any, yeah. any one time that they're working on well even the guy who said that um they were working with uh was it Monash or somebody like that for like was it medical. I can't remember yeah. exactly, but yeah, but they were doing like, pro- like projects like that, so they weren't just doing uh, game projects. I think they were doing software for some to help with research or something. Yeah, I think it's something like that. Yeah, which is super interesting. Uh, but yeah, another one, um, uh, the Voxel agents. Yeah. Uh, who did Gardens Between? They released, or oh, sorry, they posted an update saying that they're going to do a new update for their mobile game the train conductor one train world or whatever it's called so maybe they're trying to you know uh get a little financial boost from that yeah anyway um yeah it's quite sad and a lot of um talented developers are now looking for work so hopefully they all land on their feet they should talk to dylan for uh being a part of people fly occasionally (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh, actually, the other thing that they uh, spoke about uh, or revealed in the uh, and that's their closure that they actually they gave uh, everyone a look at their at the project that they were working on, which was called "In My A, a World in My Attic." I conveniently left out the word "attic" in my article. Um, did any of you guys watch this? I actually didn't watch it. I should have. It, it looks kind of cool, but I don't really know what's sort of going on or what the. It probably doesn't look like a game that's for me, but it, like, it definitely looks pretty cool. It's a bit sad that it, it'll, it'll never see the light of day. Yeah, um, it sucks. Yeah, other, other news. Uh, I'll, I'll say this one just because it's up here. I haven't put it in the thing yet. But uh, there's a report came out today that Hitman 3 is currently in development and it might be episodic again. Um, mm. So IO Interactive... The developer behind Hitman um, <clears throat> is apparently making Hitman 3. Uh, but it says here, but before that, I in, uh, may release a completely new IP first, which is kind of cool. Uh, it's actually a episode... Uh, do you know Noclip? Have you guys heard of Noclip? The, no. the YouTuber thing? Yeah, so it's the video game, yeah. the video game documentaries. Yeah, it looks like it's done uh, through him. Oh, okay. Because uh, this article right. references them. Yes, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Did you guys play Hitman 2? I still haven't no. played Hitman 2. Oh, no, sorry, no, Hitman 2. The, was it Hitman 2? The yeah. one that's yeah. like the yeah. second season? Yeah. Hitman 2, yeah. like, they really said it all at once, though, yeah? Like, they kind of changed. Uh, I can't actually sure remember. They did. It I did episodic it's... for the first one, and I think that when they moved to... Uh, who's their new publisher? Uh, they didn't get bought out by any, anybody, did they? Didn't they go uh, independent? Probably they? Is that what happened? 
Probably like TSQ, mate. <laughs> they probably bought them. Um, it just says. Yeah. It was, it was we, are an, we are an independent oh, oh, Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers was Hitman too. Warner, yeah. So there you go. You're a liar, Zach. Um, Wait. So who owns them now? Uh, Warner. Warner Brothers. Of course I do too, because I deal with Warner when I speak about Hitman. Yeah, it's done, me. What wasn't it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. So so Warner took over, I... and I'm pretty sure they ditched the episodic model. So now they're going back to it, which is interesting. But is well, that potentially? So here. Well, no, it says here now, instead of finding a buy, this is in, on the article posted today on IGN, you, mm. know, you know, instead of finding a buyer, IO Interactive underwent a management buyout to become an independent studio and the owners of the Hitman IP. I think that might have been after. Yeah, no, don't know, can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a third one coming out, so get excited if you like Hitman. I've never actually played a Hitman game, but I've got the second one. I definitely want to play it. I was nearly going to make it a pledge game. Oh. But um, probably should have instead of Kingdom Come. Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Another news we got here. uh, PS4 sales have hit 100 million, which is pretty cool. Uh, Yeah. Can you talk about that? Well, I I mean, there's not really much to say. They hit 100 million million units sold, which is exciting. Um, Do you reckon we'll see a 100 million console? I hope not, because I'll have to buy it. Sony's like so, Sony's live service is like just releasing all different consoles, like different <laughs> their console. Pretty much. Um, no, but I guess like the more interesting thing is uh, the Switch, because uh, Nintendo also released some some more info, some updated info about uh, their lifetime console sales, and that's at thirty seven million roughly. In... When did that come out? Is that two years? Just just over two years ago. So if if the Big. Switch had been out the same time amount of time as the PS4, it would have outsold it by, you know, twenty to forty million units, which is pretty impressive. It is very impressive. Um, especially when you consider they've got a new SKU on the way and an updated version of the, the current one on the way. Mm. That's uh that should give them a bit of a boost as well. And they've still got, you know, quite a few big titles to come too. So it's um it's pretty impressive. How, because Xbox haven't released their total sales for the one, have they? Do you, do you think the Switch has sold more than the one? Probably, surely the one sold more than. I think the Switch is coming up on it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, uh, like I could be I could be off base and just misremembering, but I feel like last year they were at about forty mil. Wow. Mm, that's a long way off, isn't it? Yeah. Um, here we go. When is this from? June first, two thousand nineteen. They were at forty-two million units. Uh, in the <laughs> in the in the in the seven years. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus. Compared to the switches two. Wow, that's a. The switch isn't even that, two. The switch is one and a half. That's a smashing. Nah, this is March seventeen. So, two thousand seventeen. What, th- what do you think of? Um, oh yeah, two and a half. Sorry, sorry what yeah. do you think of? Why do you think is that the Switch is sold like so well like like is it, is it the portability uh, I think yeah I think it's just because it offers things that the other consoles can't yeah I think Nintendo did the smart thing and they looked at all the success that they had with other consoles and they looked at mm. the failings they had with other consoles and they were like eh let's just throw everything in and that worked so you reckon if 
everything game-wise had been the same, but it wasn't portable. So like, let's just say GameCube so, 2. So if it didn't have Zelda? No, so if it did have Zelda. Oh, so, no, so, the games are the same, but it was a, just a home console? Yeah. Yeah, do you reckon, do you reckon how, how far off the current Switch sales do you reckon it would be? I think it still would have... The software's pushed it an immense amount, yeah. but I think it would still be less because... I mean, there are yeah, a lot of people you, you that I know remember, that don't use the Switch at home. You've got to remember there was a period where Breath of the Wild on the Switch had a higher adoption rate than the Switch itself. Than, than the console, yeah. So, yeah, it, it definitely would still be going strong. I think mm. that maybe not as strong. Love the GameCube. I'd buy a GameCube GameCube is a great console. I would buy a GameCube too. Well... There you go. Let's just make should, it. You should crowdfund it. We, we, we should. <laughs> It'll be on Let's speed. Let's crowdfund the GameCube too. Yeah. Done. Ooh, you cube too. <laughs> um, so, in other news we've got here. Uh, so, Ash was meant to talk about his Doom, his Doom rant that he um, posted, but we'll, we'll, just, we'll just go through one of them. But um, Bethesda, uh, surprisingly, surprisingly, um, surprise re-released the original doom trilogy was it on the weekend like on friday or something or Saturday? something like that yeah uh, um but apparently they also secretly took uh doom one and two um off of backwards compa- compatibility for the xbox so um how does that make you guys feel like is that okay like are they okay to do that i think it's a pretty sh- they like they're they're within their right to do it but it's a shitty way to do it yeah I think if there was like a marked difference in the ones that they're selling now versus the ones that they were selling before, if the, if it would be okay. Yeah, if they had sold uh, the re-releases as a package that came in a discount, then it wouldn't have been so bad. But yeah. yeah, but yeah, the fact that they were brazen enough to just take them off the service, and if you look at Ash's article, they left in assets from the Xbox Live Arcade like backwards compatible release in the new version. Yeah, that's it's pretty shitty. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't played the Doom series for ages, and I was like, oh, maybe I, I might pick it up, but it'll just go in, into my digital backlog. So the best news about the re-releases is on the Switch. So Doom on the Switch again. Yeah. Just quickly going back to live service things, are you? Because then, did did Rage have any microtransactions? I don't remember. I don't think so. See, Rage 2 kind of is, I guess you could classify it as a live service game because they Mm. they do like the whole weekly challenge thing and they've got like, Mm. you know, a roadmap for consistent updates and stuff, but it's all free. There are microtransactions in Rage 2. There are? Yes. All right. So what there's rage to, there's transaction <laughs> microtransactions in raids two, and now in Wolfenstein Youngblood, are you concerned for Doom Eternal? I am. Yeah. What's well, in the name? They want that game to go forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. True. Um, I think it's inevitable that we'll have microtransactions because they're focusing on the PvP a bit more this time as well. Right. Mm. Damn. Dang. Whoa, that's scary. That's... Uh, the other little bit of news here that I thought I'd throw in and talk about because I know that you two are big fans of the order, and I know that you're deeply upset by this news. But um, Sucker Punch, the sorry, Sucker Punch writer Jordan, not me, Garcia, Garcia, <laughs> Jordan, 
Lemos, um, who's actually writing uh, Ghost of Tsushima, to, uh, he revealed uh, that a sequel to The Order 1886 was in production on a, on a podcast um earlier last week or this week um <clears throat> and he, this, this is his quote from the from the podcast last i heard they were actually doing a second one so i don't know if they were already in i don't know if yeah i don't, I don't know if they were already in development at that point so they were like well okay that's quite quote doesn't make any sense um anyway but yeah he basically says that the one that one's in development and then he actually backtracked uh, a little bit later, um, saying that he knows nothing about a sequel. Um, it was just based on uh, stories about an interview with the actual creative director of from Ready at Dawn, uh, Rue Weirasuria. Um So yeah, that that was. I saw like a, it sort of popped up, and I was like, <gasps> like my heart sort of stopped. I was like, oh, this is actually gonna be like real and then the next time I looked at it it was like nah not happening bit anticlimactic pretty much like the game can't you were walking into that one <laughs> I know um, but the, the final article here from oh, sorry, the, final article, the final paragraph from Push Square what does it say? It's hardly a surprise, really. There were likable things about the PlayStation 4 exclusives lore, but the project clearly invested too much effort in the wrong areas. Could there be a much greater sequel that does the series intriguing universal justice? Absolutely. But the likelihood of it happening, as disappointing as, disappointing as it may be, is practically nil. It's probably time for enthusiasts such, such as you, you two to move on <laughs> from Sir Galahad and his gang. The series is over. <laughs> Do you feel bad that you've spent more time thinking about the order than they did making it? <laughs> I reckon I could actually have my own like sub podcast just based on like the order. The order, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty devo. I kind of, I kind of, I do hope that Sony uh, just gives it one more chance. They'll make it a reckon... live service game. Oh man, that would imagine that. Imagine if it just turned into like a multiplayer. Live free to play multiplayer live service full of <laughs> transactions. No, the, you can buy boosters that will actually add gameplay. Oh, <laughs> just end the podcast right now. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I can't see one happening. Unfortunately, no, no, nah. nah. nah, Put it to bed. Put a bullet in. Yeah, and it, it, it's actually Did you just say put a bullet in it. <laughs> This uh, this game was one of the reasons when we did our um, bring out your dead IPs. Uh, I didn't want to talk about PS4 games because this would upset me too much. Aww. Yeah, just I'm just looking at Galahad now. He looks so just beautiful. Anyway, um, so I don't think there's any other news that we want to talk about. Is there? There's oh, oh, there's some so. there's some Blair Witch gameplay that includes a dog. If anyone wants to check it out, <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to nothing about it on this podcast. Just go to YouTube. Go to someone else's content. Go watch it. Um, all right. Let's talk. Let's just wrap it up with some off-topic talk. Uh, someone here has posted a little link uh, that I actually read this today. That it it chapter two will go for two hours and forty-five minutes. It's real long. Is, yeah, it's for it's, it's almost bonkers. too long. I um, it's almost yeah, end game it, long. 
<laughs> well, yeah, but for just it. Yeah, I, it's probably. Well, I mean, yeah, maybe it'll fly by when you watch the movie. What did you guys like the first one or the I really reboot? Loved the first one. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. really well done. Did you think it dragged on? Nah. Okay. No, that was probably my only uh, complaint. Oh well, you hate this one. Yeah, I was going to. I was going to say that. Um, <laughs> I liked the first one. I just thought it maybe went for like 10, 15 minutes too long. I I guess there were, there's probably a couple of lulls in there that didn't need to be in there, but I know I felt like it was pretty well paced. I liked um, it. I'm keen for the second one. Yeah, I think if you um, I was I was reading about this when I when I posted it and like, uh, the director Andy Andy Muschietti, 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 whatever, however you say it. Yeah, thank you. I was gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he was talking about like about writing stories and about you know developing a movie and having it be four hours and then having to cut cut it down and like it sounds like he was talking about it chapter two and and having to cut it down from like a four hour thing to a nearly three hour thing. But he was Did saying he... that um he was saying that in like screen testing and stuff nobody's had any complaints about how long it is so i mean maybe it's fine when's it come out uh september in the u.s oh, really? maybe oh. i can't i don't know if that's the same here so it's like real super soon i i, I thought it was like a yeah it's, it's bit soon away. like the movie's done it's it's oh. we're just it's just a waiting game now um on the thing that i saw it mentioned something about director's cut but i don't remember exactly what it was referring well, to well the directors may have made some cuts yes yeah, sometimes the directors do that. They cut things. <laughs> they they cut content from white code transactions. God, <laughs> can you imagine? Seriously. Imagine that'd be awesome. You like you have to like like the um the usher comes in and goes right. You need to pay like another five bucks to watch. Or, the or you're leave. <laughs> thing. Imagine Marvel doing that with their post credit scenes. <laughs> right, so is popcorn gonna... is popcorn and and drinks are they like kind of like microtransactions? It's like it's con- it's shit you could have just got yourself, but no, no. Okay, so <laughs> I, I'd say I'd say the popcorn and drinks is more like getting a deluxe edition upgrade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I feel ya. Like paid like twenty bucks more for a steelbook and a hat. Yeah. Exactly. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. All sorry. Okay. So all it was saying was that there are, that there will be an extended. Um, oh, extended. Of, Fuck yeah. yeah. So we will. This is a quote. We we will put out a director's cut because this time it's it definitely merits it. Uh, you have to make choices sometimes, and some things cannot be in the theater in the theater release, but are definitely worthy of people seeing them at a later date. And this says while the runtime for the director's cut has not been shared at this time, the contents of that version are likely okay. Boring. Um, Okay, it says uh, then a bit further on. There is potential for up to one hour and fifteen minutes of extra footage to be included in this version. So that's that four hours. That's crazy. Yeah, that's long. That is that's long. A long that's, film. As, that's as long as the order. I was going to say it's longer <laughs> than the order. <laughs> See, this is why I didn't want to talk about the order. <laughs> you always sucker punch me. Hey, hey! You got to be ready at dawn for it. Hey. Hey. Um, all right, you guys watched anything in recent times? I'm still watching Veronica Mars. How's that going? It's going really good. So, is yeah. it ma- Marsvelous? No, it didn't work. 
No. Can we just end the podcast now? No. <laughs> Uh, no, it's it's getting really good. Season I just finished season two. That was a it was a little messy, but like the payoff at the end is so good. I I can't believe you know I, did, I mean well, I can't believe you didn't watch that show because I was seven when it came out. But still, you know, it's so good. I'm really keen to finish it so I can watch the uh, the new season that's come out. Is it better nice. than forget forgetting Sarah Marshall? It's. I mean, there's two different, two very different styles. Look, it's the only thing I know that that, that girl, uh, that lady's in. She, well, she's in The Good Place as well. Is that what that and is? she's in that crossover, Veronica Marshall. <laughs> forgetting, forgetting Sarah Mars. <laughs> um, yes, to all of Kieran, them. You, have you seen anything? Watched anything? I've, I've never watched anything. Uh, no, I actually, I don't think I have. Hmm. I've been watching a lot of uh, compilations of whose line is it anyway on YouTube. <laughs> oh, man, I've got I've got all those um, episodes. Nice, they're awesome. Yeah, I, I assume it's it's the old one, yeah, not the. Well, it's it's not... compilations of both, but old one's definitely better. Yeah, uh, but so, it's like it's my, my it's my go to dinner watch at the moment. Have you been able to figure yeah. out whose line it was anyway? Uh, I was. Sure. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> What's your favorite um game that they play? Scenes from a hat. Yes. Yeah, that's always good. Yeah, that's always good. Yeah. I I, I always used to like the one where um uh who's the tall guy again? Ryan. Ryan. Oh, Ryan with, with the arms. Yeah, that yeah that one's really really good. Uh, there's there's an episode where uh, or they might always are they always cooking when they do that? They're not always cooking. Mm, are they? Usually, anything yeah. that's messy. Yeah, and they're, they're super funny. But I, I also love the one where Ryan and Colin are the, um, like, the, the selling that, like, compilation CD. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, those are good. Yeah, like, the banter between the, those two are awesome. Yeah. Yeah, good show. Very good show. <laughs> All right. I think that's about it. I don't think we've got anything else more to say. I bought The Phantom. On DVD, saw I saw that he made a tweet, uh, a Twitter, a tweet about that. Oh, how good! How good is it? Oh, and then I realised that there's actually they, you know, the channel Sci-Fi. Mm. Yep. They did like a little two-part, uh, two, two, two-hour, three-hour miniseries thing with like about the Phantom, and it looks like super. It looks terrible, so I'm probably gonna love it. Um, but yeah, I've been, I've been trying to find it all over the the, the internet. Legally, of course, and yeah, no, no luck so far. Mm. But uh, I'm keen to watch that. I actually didn't realize. Did 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 you know that a lot of the Phantom, the movie, like um, with Billy Zane, was actually filmed in Brisbane? I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't care either. Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> poor Billy. Sorry, poor Billy. The only Zane he cares about is from uh, One Direction. Yeah. All right. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Well Played DLC. We shall see you next week. If you want to check out all our awesome content, go to www.well-played.com.au and we'll see you next week. Live service content. Yes, you must pay a monthly fee. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye. Bye.